This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuisin, Spesek, my friends. And uh, we got a special show for you guys right now. And I've been getting a lot of emails out there. Hey, why don't you talk about what's going on in Armenia now and all that. And you know what? You, you folks can definitely see what's going on. But I said, you know what? Let's let, let's bring in someone out there. One of the organizers, a young organizer out there in Armenia right now, we're calling Armenia, named Arto Vaughn. And uh, he will be part of the show. And uh, it's going to be interesting, Brian, on the sense that we're getting someone over there that's going to be telling us what all these uh, – I, I hate to say riots, but I, I, I'd like to call it as a civilized protest, what they're doing and how they're handling everything. I, I actually heard it described as a velvet revolution. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. Thought that I, was interesting. I've had a lot of people, a lot of American people come up to me and go, wow, man, that is so cool how this country is unfolding without even violence. Yeah. Nothing's it's amazing. going down. And uh, hopefully it continues and we'll see what happens. Hey, Jono. Yeah, what's up? So uh, I actually just read a uh, an article that was explaining how uh, Swedish meatballs, you know, the, the great Swedish meatballs meatball, that everyone, yeah, yeah. you get them at Ikea and stuff, you know, right. they're great, uh, apparently actually came from Turkey. Wait a minute. How, how, do they, how do they come up with this? So apparently they did some research. And they found out that, and they they announced it on the country's uh, Twitter page. They said Swedish meatballs are actually based on a recipe that King Charles the Eleventh, who was king of Sweden, uh, brought home from Turkey in the early 18th century. All right, all right. Let's back this thing up here. You know how many countries were part of that Turkey, so-called Turkey? Now, I mean, that could have been our Armenian meatballs, there, Brian. Yeah, that could have been ours. That could have been the Greeks. That could have been. Uh, the Byzantium, that could have been anyone's damn meatball. Yeah. How, how the hell, they, every, everything, they suddenly put a flag on it. I don't know. I kind of also refuse to believe that, uh, you know, other other countries and stuff around the world didn't come up with a recipe for, for, gra- for ground-up meat in a ball shape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and you know what? Even if you're the researcher in Sweden, that's embarrassing to even let that out. <laughs> keep that. Keep that. I mean, burn that. Apparent, burn, apparently, don't ever let that out. The response on the Twitter page has been uh, that of complete shock, including people saying, "My whole life is a lie." No, no, no. Back it up here, folks. Don't give it up that easy. I mean, you don't know where this science uh, experiment even came from. They have no DNA on this. Hmm. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for that. I'm going to say right now, that is Armenian meatballs, and I am going to write a letter to Sweden's government saying that that is Armenia's meatballs, and the turkey stole that recipe from us. (laughs) Now we will give it to you, Sweden, and you will proclaim it as Swedish meatballs again. Okay? How's that? (laughs) That's good. 
Brian, our guest this week, well, you know, like I said, when the show started, I wanted to know more about the movement going on in Armenia. Yes. And we have one of the young activists in uh, Armenia right now. He's an intellectual. He's uh, one of the academic people out there. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have Arto Vaughn on the show. Arto, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, my friend. It's uh, it's a treat to see what's happening in Armenia. What, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about it, my man. Sure, sure. Um, uh, well, for, first, let me just say I, I don't know if I would consider myself an activist, although although I I believe that as uh, as teachers, as educators. Uh, in universities, uh, I think the the best kinds of teachers are doing a form of activism mm-hmm. by 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 triggering young people's imaginations and getting them to express themselves. So, um, so what, what's been going on in Armenia, uh, Jono, is, is I mean, it's it's really hard to to put into words. Um, and I think most of us here, it's going to take some time to digest uh, what's what's been happening. Um, and uh, I'll start by saying that, uh, as you as you may or may not know, or your listeners may or may not know, Armenia, basically since the fall of the Soviet Union, has kind of it it, it trans- transitioned from a Soviet uh, form, uh, kind of of an authoritarian state, uh, to a, a different kind of authoritarian state. In other words, it went from this so-called communist. Uh, kind of authoritarian regime, regime, which mm-hmm. which actually wasn't communist at all, um, and it transitioned into this kind of wild west uh, capitalist kind of uh, regime run by a couple of uh, oligarchs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's so that's now been for twenty six years. Uh, so, what you've seen is a, a very high unemployment rate. Uh, you've seen hundreds of thousands of people uh, uh, mass exodus out of Armenia to different parts of the world. Uh, you've seen um, a real stifling of people's sense of individuality and, and feeling comfortable in expressing any kind of uh, dissenting opinion. Uh, a lot of young people feeling very frustrated, um, kind of clamping down of these, this very kind of monolithic, narrow idea of Armenian identity and Armenian values. Uh, and of course, the conflict in uh, Harabakh, uh, which is on the one hand, a very real uh, conflict, obviously. Uh, on the other hand, it's often been used by the ruling uh, regime to constantly kind of scare people or to do away with any kind of uh, uh, questioning of the right. government. Right. So what started happening over two weeks ago uh, is basically the apex of something that's been actually in the works for a long time. Uh, People like Nikol Pashinyan, who's now uh, basically the leader of this uh, national movement, uh, there have been many people like him. And over the years, we've seen various attempts at change in Armenia. Uh, we've seen uh, the Electric Yerevan movement uh, a few years ago. Uh, we've seen the uh, movement to save uh, some of the parks in the city. Uh, we've seen uh, other types of uh, peaceful kind of protests, ca- questioning the government. Let me but ask you those... this. Oh, sure. Okay, sure. Uh, Artem, my, my thing, too, is uh, 
How do you sure. how do you counter? How would you counter to those people among the West, the the diaspora that would say to you, "Hey, yes. we're we're only twenty six, thirty years old. What what do you expect sure. right now?" Oh, that's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so when I first moved here, of course, that is the mantra, right? I think in the diaspora and in Armenia. The, the mantra has always been that people on the one hand are inc incredibly frustrated. They have a lot of justified complaints. Uh, they see right through the regime and all of its uh, corruption. And yet, yeah, as that's kind of the mantra that, well, you know, what do you expect? Let's not be too critical. It takes time, things like this. What this movement is finally doing is laying that mantra to rest. Uh, people are finally saying that it's very easy for people in the diaspora or people like myself, as a matter of fact, living in Armenia, people in positions of privilege uh, to say things like that. But when the vast majority of a country is uh, suffering and the vast majority of a country is underemployed, unemployed, really has very, very limited, if any, opportunity for growth, uh, then really, I mean, that, that's really a, a, an arrogant thing to say. Uh, when people are in desperate situations, uh, having to wait one day and to be patient one day is asking a lot. These people have been patient for 26 years. Um, and what this movement is doing is, is that it's one by one debunking several myths and several kind of mantras. That's one of them. Another one is the whole mantra that we are under threat from all sides, so we have to constantly be unified right. uh, against those threats. And what these people are saying is who is not unified? I mean, hundreds of thousands of people in Armenia are unified right now against this corrupt regime. But they're also unified uh, in their defense of Artsakh uh, and all the borders of Armenia. Uh, so, so in other words, I, I think that they're debunking these kinds of very old school, old fashioned mantras that have oftentimes been propagated either by the regime or, to, to be fair to the diaspora, you know, perfectly well intentioned. I mean, these are all good intentioned people that just want the best for Armenia. Um, and what's happening now is a, a young, new generation, hundreds of, and, and just the hundreds of thousands of people that are joining that generation are saying to the diaspora, uh, to many of us, that, you know what, uh, we have to stop using the same playbook uh, because it's, it's just simply outdated. It no longer works. And this is really a, um, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here, but there really is a sense on the streets that if this movement had not worked, that it really was, was going to be the last gasp for many, many Armenians who are just going to, you know, I mean, we already have too many who are leaving the country, but it really was going to put, uh, to fuel that exodus even further. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Arto. At the time when this all picked up, I was like, man... I hope, I hope, I pray nothing happens to where Armenians and Armenians uh, are fighting amongst themselves. This is the last right. thing we ever need. And, sure. And uh, to Serge's, you know, to to what he's seen that was coming, knock on wood, the guy goes down. Now, right. now his Republican Party 
why can't they follow suit here? Because I'm looking at it like here, you're looking at your leader. Your leader said, hey, it's time for change. I'm sorry you guys didn't like me, this and that. Uh, let's start yeah. a new Armenia. I, it was like, wow, bravo. Yeah. And now yeah. I've got yeah. this group still in the parliament saying no not not that easy not that easy <laughs> that's right that's right well well Jono, you know i'm going to answer your question but first i'm actually going to give you some good news and some breaking news please, actually on please. the spot um we've just nicole pashinyan just gave a press conference um and uh the coalition that was supporting him is going to support him again in the next vote but more importantly there's just been an announcement by the republican party that at the next vote they will not uh, impede uh, or stop the vote of the people's choice. That is damn good news. That is so really now, good. now let's see if they're going to stick to that. But that, but this is the strongest statement they've made in that direction so far. They just made it about <clears throat> a couple of minutes ago. Wow. Wow, that is, that is big. That is it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and now, but but to answer your question, I think John, what's going on? Because that's a great question, right? How could it be that the the guy that basically it was kind of like um, uh, I mean, these guys have all been kind of like a mob boss. I mean, this political party mm-hmm. has basically been run kind of like the mob. And how could it be that if the Don steps down, that the others are so willing to sink with the ship? You know. And I, I think that's a more complicated, you know, I think it's hard to say exactly what happened there. I, I would surmise that there's a few things. One is that um, I, I think that we what we saw yesterday uh, in the assembly um, that was televised, you know, there were over 150,000 people in Republic Square, all over Armenia, all over the world, people were watching this. Uh, for me, to see the Republican Party uh, ask the kind of asinine questions and to have the attitude they had when they knew that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people were watching their own demise of that party. To me, that showed something quite profound, which is kind of like how how ideology works or doesn't work. And what I mean by that is we saw here that I think a lot of these Republicans, some of them genuinely believe they're so out of touch they're so disconnected with everyday Armenians. They've been just kind of looting and hoarding their 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 treasures for so long and 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 kind of not mingling with everyday people, not dealing with everyday situations. Most of the time, barely even going to the parliament to even show up to vote in a lot of matters. I think that some of these people genuinely believe that somehow they know better than most people, that they have somehow looked out for all Armenians, and that really the vast majority of Armenians don't understand and that they should somehow be subservient and, and give thanks to this party. I think that's an incredible thing because that really shows that this, you know, that, that's why I'm saying this is since 1991. I mean, this is something that's so been so part of the DNA of the post-Soviet Armenian reality, that I think what we saw yesterday was an incredible display of a number of people um, who I think genuinely believed the nonsense that they were saying. That's one. I think, two, I think it was desperation. I think that people are completely caught off guard by what's happened. And just like you're saying, like for example, in the diaspora, I think people are completely caught off guard. And by the way, I'm completely caught off guard. I, who consider myself quite a progressive, quite a social democrat. Um, you know what? These these people constantly surprised me and they humbled me 
in their togetherness, in the total diversity of socioeconomic representation. You have IT workers, you have bankers, you have villagers, you have kids, you have grandmothers. So um, I think that the Republican Party was completely caught off off guard. And it's as if they were shaken out of this like coma, or this very comfortable sleep that they were in. So, So I think it was it was a last and I think maybe it was also symbolic. I think that as you said, I think maybe they said, you know what, we're probably going to give it to you the second time around, but we refuse to just go down that easily. You know, we're just going to make it a little bit more difficult. You know, uh, I mean, they're they're clearly so agitated and they're so annoyed and frustrated could by this whole thing. It, could it also be, Arthur, could it also be that they're kind of fearing, fearing the, the sense that uh, – Nicole has, uh, you know, he's been coming out and he's been saying that this got to go down. This, this, we can't sure. have this. We can't sure. have that. It's human yeah. nature to when you're scared like that, you close the door. And, of course. And of course. Uh, I, I really think with uh, the leadership in the world that you've seen, like with Nelson Mandela, he yes. he, he told them that hey, you know what? This is part of a new. This is part of new South Africa. And uh, that's right. That's and right. let's let's establish this. Let's all move forward. Let's all be together. And I that's think right. I think with the uh, rhetorics right now being thrown out there from from the opposition and from mm-hmm. uh, from the government, I, I think yeah. that there's there's got to be something to where someone extends a hand out and brings everyone together on this. And you think Nicole's that man? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think he's been saying that all along and his team have been saying that all along and they've proven it. Uh, The way they've proven it is, as I said, you cannot get hundreds. I mean, basically, the country is completely shut down by civil disobedience and peaceful protest. That is not possible unless you have a wide variety of people on your side, people that might even have some differing views. This person has galvanized a whole country. Um, So that's one. Two, from the beginning, he has said that um, I am willing to sit down with all parties and to discuss uh, the new this new chapter in Armenian history. What he has refused to negotiate on is that 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 next chapter will in any way be controlled by the ruling party. Uh, So I I think this is where we just have to be honest. I mean, you know, I think for years and years, I, maybe you, maybe many, many people throughout the diaspora, well, not many, I think the vast majority of diasporans and people in Armenia, what we've all been saying is, man, you know, I just wish Armenia was less corrupt and there's bribery. You know, maybe I would go start a business. Maybe I would go visit. Maybe. Well, I think what we're seeing here is that we can't have our cake and eat it too. Uh, it was an absolutely rotten system. And when a system is rotten and when the parliament is built on fraud, I mean, these people are elected, they've rigged the election so that they're always the ruling party. Then I feel that actually Pashinyan and his team have been very soft and very amenable uh, to discussion. I mean, as revolutions go, this is not very radical. No, uh, no nor, not right? going I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's that. And I think also... I think the Nelson Mandela example is what you said is very important. This whole thing about, you know, well, who is Pashinyan? What is his experience? What, you know, I think this, again, is another myth that's been completely swept away. Um, 
Nelson Mandela spent many, many years in prison. He got out of prison, and a few months later, he ran, he became the leader of South Africa. I mean, leadership is something that people arise to. It's in that moment, it's a calling. Um, and I think that all we have to look do is look at the leadership we've had for 26 years. What it, What is it exactly that they've done? I mean, they've done nothing but loot and hoard uh, uh, the wealth of this country. All, they've created an unfair judicial system. They've created, uh, they've completely ruined their state university system. Uh, they've ruined the people's trust in it institutions and quite frankly people's trust in each other people's sense of dignity and pride in armenia um so so i, I think that um this is it's, it's just an incredible moment where this is way beyond nikol pashinyan i mean I'll, i'm going to be the first one once he's elected interim prime minister or prime minister i mean i've been saying it from day one that then we have to be critical of him i mean Wrong. we have to then hold him to the fire for, to, to carry through the policies that he's been talking about. But in terms of the Republican Party, I think that he's been very clear that he's willing to talk to them, but not on any kind of wishy-washy terms where, uh, you know, uh, the little guy has to kind he's of bargain. He's not being represented, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let, let me so, ask you this, too. Another, sure, a, another sure. person from the outside, Armenians from, let's say, Australia or England. Sure. Asking you this, what can this Nicole guy do uh, to change things around? We're blockaded all around. How can this guy uh, give you the bread and honey that uh, you're you're all looking for? Sure. Um, it's a great question. Um, I think the first thing I would say is, again, uh, what I was saying about the, the general perception of Armenians outside of Armenia in the diaspora and all of the Armenians who have left Armenia. Um, I mean, let's think of for a moment about the complete shift in consciousness and perception that's already happened. Regardless of what happens next, this is already a victory. The fact is there are millions of dollars and there are, I think, millions of people that are waiting to come to Armenia, invest in Armenia, to, to build uh, a new Armenia. And these people have stayed away. Uh, we've heard all the terrible stories that people tell about bribery or they started a business and then how terrible the tax office was, how terrible this was, that was, laws, things like this. Right. So I, I think that by default, by default, we already today, right now, there are so many Armenians that are that are uh, wanting to come back to Armenia or at least visit Armenia, who are wanting to come here. And now they want to start businesses. They want to invest more, more, let's say, uh, with with a clear mind, because I think what was happening before is we have to be honest about our institutions as well. Right. Right now, I'm criticizing Armenian institutions. But I think this is a moment for all of us, not just in not just as Armenian citizens, but as diasporans, we all have to be more honest with ourselves. The fact is that Armenian diasporan institutions, let's say the large ones, right, they have had to, whether they want to or not, whether they're good intentioned or not, they have had to, to, to close one eye and deal with this regime. Uh, that's problematic, quite frankly, yeah. um, because it, it puts them in a very strange ethical dilemma. So what we have now, starting today, 
is these institutions, all of these people, all of these big kind of philanthropists that want to help Armenia, now they can do that in a way that's much more, as they say in Armenian, jagatnin pats, you know? Yeah, clean they're, conscience. They're clean in conscience, man. Um, and I think, so you're going to see millions of dollars per... Now, regionally, I think what you're going to see is, I mean, overnight, we went from being a nobody regionally to being basically a, a democratic jewel in this you region. Got it. We are, you know, Azerbaijan, they're not worried. They're, they're, they're shaking in their boots right now because they know full well what Armenia is capable of in terms of defending Artsakh. And now, if you have a people that have reclaimed their dignity and their pride, then Azerbaijan is damn uh, aware that now these people are going to defend that border triple the well, way they were defending it before. Arto, uh, not yes. only that, though, not only that, because yes, the, yes. the Zeri people are now waking up. And That's right. I, I read an That's article right. that uh, this journalist wrote, one more thing Armenia's got over us. And she wrote uh, uh, right. an entire column about how the people stood up uh, against right. their government and they got That's right. they got the stuff done. They got what they That's needed. Right. And now maybe, I mean, maybe this is a domino effect here where the Zeri people wake well, up because we've been noted as the boogeyman and we've noted them as the boogeyman and anytime there's been any type of change to the west we've been like hey 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 keep it down because we don't want the Zeris to sneak across the border and get us while That's we're right. having this inner conflict and maybe the same could work out with the Zeris now waking up and saying we are not the boogeyman we we That's are right. wanting to live our life. Don't be scared of us. You guys don't be scared of us. We're not scared of you. That's right. Everyone lives in peace. That's right. That's right. And I think I think the thing to, to point out here is not just with Azerbaijan. I mean, let's look at the region, right? So Georgia had a completely screwed up uh, kind of soft revolution where they ended up in, in a war with uh, Russia uh, because because they leaned so far west that you know that that didn't work out ukraine's uh movement the maidan movement also has been a fiasco yeah um what what what's what i think is very important for diaspora and armenians to understand is that uh when when the leaders of this movement are saying that this is absolutely an internal armenian national citizens movement they're not kidding around uh, I mean, when you're on the streets, as I said, you you can't have such a cross section of society unless they're unified as Armenians. Um, there is nothing here about being anti-Russian, nor is there anything here about being pro-Western. This is purely about getting rid of a corrupt system, uh, replacing it with with what's already in the constitution. I mean, it's, it's that's the funny thing. I mean, it's it's not a revolution in terms of replacing anything. It's just about restoring what the Armenian constitution already guarantees. Um, and, and I would say more than that, that um, I, I think that by doing that, a, a, in terms of investments, I think now you're going to see more investments from Russia. You're going to see more relations with Georgia. You're going to see better relations with Iran. Uh, you're going to see people looking to Armenia as doing something, quite frankly, I mean, I can't think 
in recent memory, I can't think of something like this that so peacefully has created so much uh, a change. Uh, and I think that this is for the diaspora. This is, so that's one. But two, I wanted to say that I think of the diaspora, we do have to also be honest, the, the focus is on the Armenian element, right? The national Armenian element. But I think, you know, we also have to be honest here in terms of ideology. The ruling party simply doesn't have an ideology. I don't know what they believe in. No one does. And that's why they have no supporters on the streets. That's why you have no one coming out strongly defending them. That's why uh, they're so disconnected from society. Right? Their, their ideology was simply an ideology of self-interest and individual power. Now, this movement, I think the diaspora, we have to be very clear, this movement is uh, very social democratic. I mean, it is a left-leaning uh, movement. We have to be very clear about that because I think it's important to note that we in the diaspora have in our own way had a slight negative impact in Armenia in the sense that we've immediately wanted Armenia to be like Boston or London or Toronto or uh, I don't know where. Uh, the, the, the fact is that that kind of kind of hyper-capitalism, simply just, it, it doesn't work here. Uh, I think I think a, a kind of capitalism, maybe more like a Scandinavian kind of capitalism, can absolutely work here because it's a small country. There's a tremendous amount of cash and people power, um, and, and there aren't that many people. So it's, you know, I, I think this is a very manageable country to provide free education, free health care, uh, to have a proper taxation system, uh, to take care of the environment, uh, properly, things like this. So I think this is also very important that finally people are saying that whether they're bankers or students or villagers, that they believe in some very basic uh, human rights and some very basic social uh, values and principles for everybody. Let me ask you this too. Uh, we've had uh, we've had on Facebook. There's been a lot of uh, uh, anti opposition that I'm seeing coming through that saying that Nicole is uh, uh, has affiliations with Levon and that scares people right there. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Sure. So uh, it's a good question, Jono. I, I think that so this is another myth that I think this movement is debunking. I, I'm going to answer it a little more generally. So let me know if, if, if I get off to off, you know, off track. I, I think that one of the myths being debunked here is that any time in the Armenian world, and, and by the way, I include the diaspora in this, any time we've had some kind of leader, we immediately cannibalize that leader. It's a, it's a terrible national trait. Uh, oh, well, you know, Jano is out for himself. Or did you know Jano is also friends with Boros or this other guy? And, you know, 10 years ago, Jano didn't report his taxes. I mean, some of that may or may not be true. But what it does is that, number one, it it undermines the very nature of politics. I mean, look, I'm very open about, let's say, being a supporter of Bernie Sanders, right? I have no problem. I absolutely support I am Bernie too. Sanders. <laughs> right? But on the other hand, I mean, you know, people are, we are thinking people. And, we, and I would hope that we understand that Bernie Sanders is a human being. Uh, he's not perfect. And as a matter of fact, he's a politician. And there's no politician 
that doesn't have some kind of flaws. There's no politician that maybe in 1988 or 1994 didn't make some kind of mistake or shook hands with someone they shouldn't have shook hands with, you know, things like this. So, And I think with Pashinyan, it's the exact same thing. I think Pashinyan is a leader. I think Pashinyan is very ambitious. I think Nikol Pashinyan... Um, uh, you know, has a certain kind of drive that obviously I don't have or someone else doesn't have. Millions of people in Armenia don't have. So I think, you know, again, our Armenians, we, we want to have our cake and we want to eat it too. You know, we wish Armenia wasn't corrupt and kind of uh, unfair to its citizens, but we want to give it year after year after year. We just want to be patient forever for, for it to somehow magically change. We want there to be incredible leaders to hear our complaints and to unify the people. But anytime a leader like that arises, we're very quick to find ways to undercut uh, their leadership. And I think that, again, what what's happening here is the people themselves are doing away with those kinds of criticism. They're saying enough is enough. Um, that's why, by the way, you'll notice that in other movements in the past, you would have a bunch of these guys on the stage and eventually you would see some infighting, backstabbing, each one of them trying to hog the limelight, all these egos kind of, you know, jockeying for position. What's happened here is I think finally both the people and the leaders and activists have learned that, you know what, if we're lucky enough to have the right kind of leader at the right kind of moment, you got to let that person lead. You, you right. got to, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing here. And uh, on that note, too, I, I mean, I'm I'm part of the. Well, I'm old school with the Tashnak party, and uh, <laughs> yes, and they have not. I don't think that they've stepped forth, and uh, they've done what I would think traditionally uh, ARF is all about. I, you know, I, I think yes. the Tashnak Sagan party is has always traditionally been for the people, I, and yes. they, they've yes. been really quiet about this. And uh, you know, yes. it's it's time for. I think uh, from top to bottom, there's got to be some changes done with the, everything just to get get the right people in there. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think with the ARF, I think you're bringing up a good point. I know it's a sore spot for a lot of people, um, and I'm glad you're bringing it up, actually. I mean, look, for me, let me first say that, you know, my family has always been uh, an ARF family. Uh, and, and, you know, and kind of full disclosure, you know, my dad's brother, his oldest brother was uh, the Zare Gatoigos of uh, Antilias, uh, wow. uh, uh, who he basically gave his life uh, for the kind of difficulties and, and the t uh, terrible turmoil that was happening uh, in Middle East in the Armenian community in the 1950s and 60s. Right. So, so I have no qualms. Uh, you know, I, I don't hold back in criticizing the ARF. Um, I think what's happened here are two things. One, I think the ARF, Tashnak uh, Tutun, as for you, as for me, as for millions of people, is close to our hearts because we believe in the basic tenets of the ARF, what it's built upon. And we also feel strongly that with that the ARF has for since the genocide, the ARF has really been the social glue. It's it's been something holding together so many communities around the world, right? right. Um, so that's that's now that's one thing. That's one thing. On the other side, what's happened though is that 
the ARF, and by the way, not just the ARF. I mean, we're talking about the ARF because obviously the Hunchaks or the Ramgavars are not quite, yeah. they don't have the same same stature as the ARF does globally. What's happened with these parties is that they've become mercantile. And what I mean by that is that over the years, when you look at Tashnak Sadans, who are they? There's some guy that owns a business, this other guy that owns the bakery, this other, and that's totally fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. But the founders and the leaders of these parties were intellectual, left-wing, devoted people right. who, who, as much as they tried, they were not perfect people, by the way, but as much as they could, they were ethical and they were they were always trying not to be hypocritical, but the ARF of the last many many years is basically run by by a bunch of rich people, so I don't I don't know what's socialist or revolutionary uh, about that movement. Right. Uh, so what we see in Armenia here, unfortunately, and I say this really, I'm, I'm you know I say this with a lot of pain, what we've seen the people do is give a lesson to the ARF about how to be a good Tashnatsagan. Uh, the pe- the people of Armenia have shown the ARF what it is to be a Tashnak Sagan, what the ARF has forgotten. And I think that's quite a shame. But but I, I'm with you in that, uh, for example, the AYF uh, recently released a wonderful statement uh, where they supported they support this movement. And they, they gave a list of all the email addresses of all the parliament, parliament, uh, members of parliament. So I think that within the ARF, just like with all institutions, uh, ARF, AGBU, I mean, you name it, uh, you know, the Aurora Prize, Idea Foundation, I, I mean, Gilbenkian, whatever it is, we need, a new, there are a lot of young people who are sick and tired of the status quo. They're sick and tired of the same rhetoric and outdated kinds of thinking. So so I'm, I'm very hopeful that the ARF, you know, the ARF is not the Wakes Republican up. Party. The ARF... Yeah, yeah, the ARF does stand for something. It just unfortunately has forgotten that. Uh, but I believe it does have a lot of young members uh, that are now going to hopefully step in and and uh, get it back on track. You know, let's hope. And uh, again, I got to keep asking these questions because I, sure. I want the people out there to know what's going on. What's Nicole's uh, view on uh, Artsakh? We've had we've had some uh, stuff here again being yep. said that the, he's willing to negotiate with the Zeris to give up the right. outskirts and all this. Tell us about that. Right. Well, I mean, I, look, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't claim to be an insider here, so I, I can only speak from my perspectives as, as an academic, as an intellectual, and as a resident of Armenia. Uh, what I believe is that I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a shameful display of, of propaganda um, I think that uh, Pashinyan and his team; these are these are the vast majority of these people are have served uh, in Armenia. You have to serve in the military, right. uh, so it's an insult to many of these uh, people uh, to, to shamefully constantly talk about uh, to, to, you know this kind of scaremongering. You know, um, I think that's number one. I, I think when the Republican Party was doing that, by the way, I mean, I'll give you an example. In Republic Square, you're talking about over 150,000 citizens. Every time a Republican a party member was using that kind of rhetoric, people were turning their backs to the screen. Uh, they were booing. They were laughing. 
I mean, the people are done. I mean, they're seeing every year, every year to not be able to criticize. I mean, imagine in the United States. So we can't criticize our government because of Iraq or Afghanistan or this war on terror or whatever it is. I mean, you know, uh, th those are real things. No one's saying they're not real things, but two things can exist at the same time. We can have a conflict with our neighbors, unfortunately, but we can also be absolutely prepared to defend the borders while also dealing with our internal uh, problems that must be addressed after 26 years. Now, beyond that, Pashinyan and his team have also been over and over again very clear that they are not, they, they have no plans to change anything regarding the attitude and defense regarding uh, Harabagh, uh, Artsakh, nor are they, you know, uh, it, it, they're absolutely on day one, going to surround themselves with all of the top advisors, uh, military and non-military, so that they have all of the best information. Um, so, you know, I, I think, again, these are kind of, um, you know, they're kind of these kind of uh, false, right, you know, right. kind and of just, it's it's rhetoric. It's, it's things for, because in the past, by the way, it's important to note that in the past, these things have worked, by the way. Of course. Uh, so, so this is how for 26 years, They've been able to keep people quiet and and to kind of keep them off off the streets or off of being civically uh, engaged in in uh, society but, by constantly telling them that that if you criticize, you're somehow being anti-Armenian. They actually had a, I think, a video last week right before everything went down with a uh, Serge stepping down. But they had a video showing. The Zeris are moving, their tanks are moving, yes. and, and it's like, yes. holy shit, here here we go. Right. And they're, 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 they've waited all this time, and uh, right. now they see an opening to the nest. Uh, and, you you know, know what it is, John, though? I think, you know, it's good. It's really interesting that you brought this up. I think, you know, there's two things that you just reminded me of. One is... Uh, what this goes to show, again, this is about ideology and it's about self-confidence as a nation. Those Republican Party members in Parliament, what they were displayed over and over again yesterday was a complete lack of confidence in their own people uh, regarding Gharapa, uh, a, a complete sense of insecurity, um, uh, fear-mongering. Uh, and number two, related to that, you saw these people over and over again keep bringing up Russia as if they're, you know, pissing in their pants. Um, and what 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 people have finally woken up to collectively is that Armenia is not Russia's uh, colony, nor is it the colony of the West nor is it at the beck and call of NATO, uh, nor is it at the beck and call of Putin. I mean, it's really as simple as that. I mean, are we are we as Armenians that weak and stupid that we can't collectively together in our own national interest make decisions? I mean, I think that that myth really has been swept away by this movement. People are saying that, you know, we, we understand full well what the threats are, but those threats cannot be used as excuses for people to continually be unemployed, for there to be so much domestic violence, 
for people to have such all this microaggression and bad attitudes in, in everyday interactions, uh, for so many young people to be leaving Armenia because they have no hope. You know, there's two things happening at the same time. Yes, we have unfriendly neighbors, but I mean, what Armenia is saying collectively is that you know we're, we we are fully prepared. We're not idiots. We're fully prepared to be proud, confident. Uh, collective uh, Armenians who are absolutely willing to tackle these threats, but only uh, those threats can only be tackled properly and with, with the long view. If in the short term, we stop this kind of degradation of people's sense of dignity, a people's sense of kind of, everyone feels kind of self-defeating, everyone feels like nothing will ever change, things are what they are, and, and that this creates the, the platform for hundreds of thousands of people to leave Armenia all, you know, continually. So what we're seeing here is the stoppage of that. Yeah hopefully you know and then i think they'll be able to address those 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 neighbors i think in a much more reinvigorated sort of way right right you know arto it's uh, funny you were just saying that and i thought of their famous line in armenia right now right now you yes. you can still get it right now if you enter a car in a house or what and i don't want to hear this anymore vochinch Vochinch has got to get out of our uh, vocabulary right. because right, right. forget about it is no no longer accepted. And what you're telling me right, right. now is we've got to move on from that Vochinch uh, because it, it just seems like we've said that for 26 to 30 years now. Yeah. And you know what, Shano, the beautiful thing about that, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Or these other sayings like yergire yergirchi. Uh, nothing is going to change the country isn't a country what we're seeing here and I'm very humbled and moved by this is that you know what I guess those sayings had long been finished among the people the people are finished with those mantras but the, but the ruling power uh, they've been so so uh, clever and they've been they've monopolized their grip on society so much that individually we, uh, in Armenia and in the diaspora, it's as if we all thought, oh, you know, Jono also thinks like this. Oh, my neighbor also thinks like this. So I guess we all think like this. Turns out we don't. It turns out that all of Armenia unified is completely done with all that kind of, of, of nonsense. Um, and I think that uh, it was a very clever tactic by the ruling regime to make you and I think that that's what's going on, you know, um, but now they're they're that that game is up, uh, yeah. and, and, and th you know, and hopefully, hopefully they'll be clever and intellectual enough to realize it's over with. Now, when uh, Pashinyan takes power too, is this yes. going to be the end of uh, the Republican Party? Is that what you uh, this uh, movement's about, or should they still have a voice in there as a democratic country as well? Yeah. Sure, sure. It's a good question. I mean, you know, it's hard to say because, I, again, there's two things. One, they're a party built on fraud. I mean, they're a party that's come to this kind of monolithic rule based on a system that they rigged for themselves. So that's one. Number two, like I said, I don't know what they believe in. I simply do not know what they believe in. Now, if they reinvent themselves as some kind of conservative 
traditionalist party, I mean, good for them. I mean, you know, at this point, I'll be honest, I think in in everyone's mind, they're a bit of a footnote already. Uh, I think if they do reinvent themselves, it's going to be completely as something else. Uh, I think we're going to see already a number of them have resigned. I mean, today, the culture of minister, minister of culture also resigned. There's a number good. of them that have Very resigned. Good. Uh, so I think that it's hard to say right now, but, but I think, I think, I think, well, yes, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say that, uh, if they're resigning, uh, they're putting, uh, they're not putting up a fight. I just heard, uh, maybe like three, four hours ago that, uh, there's strikes going on in, uh, uh, at the airport, which would be a dagger yes. to uh, Armenians all around the world because uh, face sure. it, that's our financial uh, thing right there. That's our artery sure. having that airport. Sure. So sure. Yeah, I think I think well, I think I think we'll see some of that change uh, pretty soon. I think you'll see an easing up of that kind of thing. I, I would think if if it goes as it's going so far. I mean, I don't. It's hard to say. Uh, things change all the time, but but the, you know, the one other thing I would say is that um, I think that for the diaspora, it's also important to keep in mind that you know when I first moved here almost five years ago. Uh, one mantra, as you said, was, you know, look, it takes time. Let's not be so critical. Things take time. Um, what I'm happy to say right now is that starting today, now we can say things take time. You know, in other words, when Pashinyan, he, if and when he does come to power, if and when there's a new fair government, it, things aren't going to change overnight or be perfect. You know, um, but then I'm very proudly going to say, very confidently going to say that yes, things will take time because now they will take time within a fair system of laws and ethics and a judicial uh, system, uh, less bribery, less corruption, uh, things like that. So as in the just as in the United States, right? I mean, if I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. As much as I might be frustrated, as an American, I have absolute faith in our Constitution, in our laws, and our people. And I know that things do change in the United States based on all of those factors. In Armenia, they didn't have that. Uh, so to say that things would change over time was kind of just hot air. Starting today, I think we can all be proud and say, yes, now if there's going to be a, a change in government in the right direction and a change in in laws and an enforcement of those laws, then I think we can all kind of yeah. rejoice and I, be proud. I definitely think that the article, the Constitution and the Armenian parliaments and everything like that, if if they're voting, if they're the ones voting, how can anything get done? I think it's got to go to the people. The people have got to vote people in and all that. that that's sure. That's asinine to think that, uh, okay, the par- then the parliament's just going to keep voting for themselves for the next 20, sure. 30 years. I think the people have got to vote. that, uh, And that's got to right. get out of the art. That's got to get out of the Constitution. Well, well no. So what's going to happen? Well, no. So the way it's going to work is that once Pashinyan is an interim uh, Prime Minister, he's already said that the first thing we're going to do is uh, hold parliamentary elections, uh, because the par- parliamentary system works very well in European countries or in other parliamentary systems, but it only works well if the elections are fair. If the elections are fair, then you have all these different coalitions, you have all these different parties who work in the interests of the constituencies that voted for them. In Armenia, that's not been the case. So, of course, in Armenia, you have a parliamentary system, but you have one ruling party. So that, by default, it's not a parliamentary system. 
Um, so they're going to once once Pashinyan is interim prime minister, they, they're going to have new elections. Um, and then when they do that, then we'll have a parliamentary system that represents a cross section of voices and is and is legally beholden. Uh, to those voices to uh, uh, enact, to create and implement policies for those people. Arthur, since we're talking like this, uh, briefly, why do we need the president? I mean, why do we need a prime minister? Why do we? Can't we just have one? Can't we just have just a president? And I mean, uh, why can't he uh, run so, for president and be president? I I don't understand how a little country can have a prime minister. And the president. I, I mean, I don't, I don't I mean, know. That's a good question. It's a good question. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a legal expert, nor am I a political scientist. What I can say is uh, when we look at all the countries that seem to function the best, and I'm talking here about like across the board, like when you look at indexes of happiness, health care, education, uh, general well-being, whatever it might be, peace, uh, things like that. Uh, freedom of expression, whatever, all those things, economic well-being. Generally, those governments are parliamentary. Um, and, and the reason that seems to work is because, as I said, what ends up happening is uh, you don't have only one or two parties that control everything. You have a collection of parties that represent a diverse citizenship, right? A, a of band course. of citizens. Yeah, that makes and sense. And then what happens is, yeah, and in that parliament, those uh, different parties, then they have no choice but to form coalitions. So by default, what ends up happening is, let's say you and I disagree. Um, once we elect our representatives to parliament, then those representatives find ways to negotiate because they have to in a parliamentary system. So by default, everybody kind of wins more or less everybody gets something more or less you know whereas in the united states you know as we see the last number of years uh you know i, I mean uh, you know at this point i'm sometimes and I'm, I'm not even sure what the difference is between a republican and a democrat um you know we're kind of in a chokehold mm -hmm. of this two-party system where you have uh, you know, lots of big money and corporations and things like this. Uh, parliamentary systems kind of resist that kind of uh, control. So hopefully that that's what we can do here is we can have a system that's a little bit more of, you know, kind of like the, you know, Scandinavian system, uh, several European Lean, leaning systems. Leaning towards socialism more, though, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's capitalism. I mean, you know, all the Scandinavian countries are clearly capitalist. You have a lot of millionaires in those countries, right. but they're regulated. Right. They're, yeah. I mean, they're regulated. Their no, taxes. I, I'm all for that. I, you know what? Yeah, we should yeah. get free education. We should. Um, it broke my heart when I'm in Armenia and I, I'm seeing the first time I'm in Armenia, I'm seeing old people selling, trying to sell their old uh like uh, ribbons and stuff that they they had right. gathered from world war ii it broke my heart That's seeing right. that man and they Absolutely. don't care they don't care about the old people once you get old Absolutely. over there yeah you might as well it's like the old indian thing go up to the hill and wait till you die because there's nothing right. happening for these people that's right. And, you know, and, you know, Jean, that's right. And when I came here, it reinforced something for me, you know, in the diaspora, I would always have arguments, you know, very friendly deba debates with with friends and relatives and others in the, in the community that as an Armenian, 
I, you know, Armenians are so nonstop proud of being Armenian and all this Armenian nation, the homeland, this and that. My, I've said from day one that if that's the case, then you can't be anything but a social democrat. It's not possible because when you come to Armenia, and just as you said, when people come to Armenia and their heart breaks. For all of these poor people, all of these veterans that they have, they barely have seventy dollars, fifty dollars is their pension every single month. They can't heat their homes. They might not have enough food to eat. They have no food, to, enough money to support their families. They don't have enough money to go get physical therapy, whatever or it is, medicine, Kid, whatever it is. So. Yeah. If you if you come to Armenia and your heart breaks for all these people and you and we believe that they should get free health care, free education, free, then we can't go back to Boston or Sydney or London or wherever it is. And in those places be, you know, kind of hardcore capitalists. It, it just doesn't work that way because these are human beings wherever you go. Uh, so I think that this is a big Armenians are teaching all of us a lesson in Armenia that if one is to be a hardcore Armenian nationalist in the best sense of the word, then it also means to be a hardcore human being, to believe in Bravo. human principles for everybody. Bravo. Bravo. I'll tell you what, Arto, before I had to talk with you today with this uh, yes. interview, I mean, I've sat around with Armenians, my friends in St. Louis, and and uh, they're going over, and they never really got gotten to facts, and uh, that they're just like happy that there's a. And I'm like, well, what now? What now? Tell me what right. happens now. And I didn't really get the answer, but I tell you what, man, talking to you today. I feel much more calm and much more like, hey, you know what? There's something out there out of this forest. There's a light there. We're just going to have to uh, walk through it and make it. And I, I thank you so much. Thank you. Oh man, that's that's that really that really means a lot to me, man. It's it's very moving for me to hear that. Uh, we all here, you know, we we love all of you guys over there, um, and uh, and you should all absolutely be proud. Of the citizens of this country, especially the young people. Uh, How about sorry. the world? How about the world? Not even Armenians, but the whole world is watching, and they're proud as Absolutely. hell. They're proud as Absolutely. hell. And Arto, it took people like you just to walk and uh, sit in front of a traffic where where I first was like, "What the hell are they doing? What the hell are they doing?" <laughs> I, I really, I, I was, I was not part of this movement. I, I, I was part of like, can't they understand that the Zeris are watching? Can't they understand uh, that we're a little country surrounded? Can't they? Yes. And it's all, yes. and everything has now come to a light to where you know what we do need a change, and this, this may be our guy here nicole may be our guy to get us that's right and and like you said we're not entrenched with him if if there's things that aren't happening we'll that's bring it. a new guy in it's it's that's it's, what that's how democracy yeah. works that's right this is not power by one person or by one personality absolutely and by the way i think that you know i think that as you said you know we get nervous about the series i think what's amazing about this is that it's in spite of of the Azeris. It's in spite of the Turks. It's in spite of right. any powers that be that have some negative view. We're looking them in the eye and we're saying that we will defend these borders come hell or high water. And on top of that, we will have a peaceful, 
peaceful movement across this nation to create a, a, a jewel of a democracy uh, in a place that these bigger powers with all of their millions and all of their resources and all of their militaries can't do. Um, and I think that is something that it, it's incredibly moving to me. And I think that diasporans uh, should should be absolutely proud uh, of these young people, of all these all the people uh, across all socioeconomic sectors that have basically sacrificed. These are people that got out of their desks, left their offices, IT companies that shut down. Um, that, I mean, you know, this is a historical moment, especially around the time of the genocide and particularly a hundred years after the First Republic, 1918. Um, I mean, it's this is just, uh, I right. think, uh, something that uh, we can now do away with all of this crying and self-pity and woe is us and the world doesn't care about us there's a there's a millions of armenians in this country saying we're done with that we care about ourselves we care about our own dignity our own confidence we can roll up our sleeves we can all work together and we can make armenia the armenia um, that people have been waiting for since 1991 god bless god bless bro you you were outstanding outstanding helping the, helping us out helping me out and uh there's a, there's a a little bit of uh, confidence, a little bit of uh, a jubilation in me, uh, just <laughs> just the whole factor of uh, just being uh, that pride that Yerakuin has got a new uh, frontier now, something new. Thank you, Jono. Yeah. Thank you, John. And, you know, we, we really appreciate what you're doing. You have an amazing podcast, and, you know, you have a lot of uh, followers uh, in Armenia, and, and we're, you know, people like you. Uh, this is an effort globally, you know, so yeah. everyone in their own way is doing their part. So we thank you. Uh, Arto, I took a little heat when uh, uh, maybe about a month ago I seen the president uh, walking and, you know, and the soldiers the uh, standing with the red carpet. And I felt, pro I felt proud with that. You know, I, there's a lot yeah. of pride in that. And I said, sure. it looks like a beautiful uh, monarchy and that word when I threw my monarchy out there, boy, I tell you what, I had so many messages and emails saying, uh, "What the hell are you talking about?" And you know what? I, again, as the outside people, we're just happy and proud of you guys over there, and uh, and I'm glad uh, to see that everything's going the right way, and I'm glad for that good news you gave us too. I, I hope everything uh, calms down and everyone could uh, embrace and uh, be brothers and sisters, which we are, which we are. Which we are. We're, we're showing the entire world that we are. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Arto. Thank you so much Thank for being on so the show. Thank you so much, John. It's, it's, a, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for everything. All right. Take care. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Wow. I, I tell you what, man. Uh, I, I feel great. That was I a lot great. of information. And you know what? I, I tried to I tried to get the questions that were on the people's mind yeah. to see what their perspective on that is because yeah. I'm not hearing I'm not hearing from uh, our people in St. Louis all these uh, questions that I was asking. And you know what? Finally, finally, I I feel much better. There's a lot. I, of, I swear to God. Yeah, it, you asked a lot of good <coughs> questions. A lot of questions that I think people wanted to know the answers to. Yeah, I mean uh, the whole basis is uh, fear factor. Yeah, fear factor that uh, when the, this government goes down, then what? Are we going to be ruled by a mob and and this and that? But it's not. This is everyone still going by the book. Yeah, all we're asking for are the people being voted in. Knock it off with this uh, 
uh, we're not going to pay attention to the people. It's just us. And and like uh, like Arto said, they're out of touch with the people. Mm-hmm. And you can't have that. You can't have that. And thank you so much, Arto Vaughn. That was beautiful, my man. And uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed the interview. Hey, folks, if you like our show, go to our page at uh, armeniaproud.com. And uh, click on the Amazon. Uh, if you're going to buy anything from Amazon, which I know a lot of people do, go through our site first at armeniaproud.com. It'll be on your right-hand side. Click on that and enjoy uh, whatever you're buying. And also now we've got Yo Radio, YoRadio.com. I think that's what it's called now, isn't it, yes. Brian? It's called YoRadio.com. It's got all the different types of music out there, and it's all free. It's all free. We, and, and it's growing every week. And it's growing. Week. And it's growing, and uh, it's part of Lineup Media. Click on YoRadio.com and uh, enjoy free music. And it, 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 all it does is a win-win for both of us. Yep, exactly. Thank you so much, my friend. Genatsat Kishir Pali. We'll see you next week. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.